And that was why for a long time in my spiritual path journey, I was hidden from the world a lot because I kept disconnecting from society because I saw that it took me off my center and got me caught in the trap of that world of like, well, now I'm chasing this thing. And so I would go back into like my little meditation bubble. I lived at the beach for a couple of years and I would just be like, because mm, I, would, I would feel bigger when I was more attuned to the, the infinite, right, obviously, than when I was on Facebook. And, and for me, it's been this, this dance of how do I maintain, like maybe I'll have a day of silence tomorrow, I'm going to the beach to that, so I can just like tune to nature and myself and my own psyche and then come back and bring the medicine of my work and play the game in this, this world that we live in. Welcome to the 1000 Days Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davey. I'm not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am someone that doesn't drink alcohol. And I spend every waking moment helping other people do the same. Like right now. Your guest today is Michelle Coutinho. Michelle Coutinho is a healer, songstress, and empowerment coach who helps spiritual men and women attune to a deeper sense of resonance with their voice, presence, and personal power. She is the creator of Vocal Alchemy and Embodiment a process that rewires the energetic nervous system using the voice as a gateway to the subtle body to create a sense of lightness and expansion that releases stored trauma from the mental and emotional body and heals the psyche on a multi-dimensional level. She guides transformational meditations, co-creates ceremonial spaces that offer deeply connected heart-centered embodiment practice through mantra, prayer, and sound healing to create a sense of inner peace and true enlightenment. Her transmissions weave together the lineages of shamanism, back to yoga, Jewish ancestry and Native American wisdom. I met Michelle while I was uh, in a couple of coaching containers called Kaboom and The Leap from the uh, mighty brains of uh, Preston Smiles and Zion Kim. And the reason I got Michelle on here actually is because um, she scares me a little bit. <laughs> what I mean by that is she's the complete opposite of um, who I was when, when I was growing up. Right. Like if Michelle, if Michelle turned up where I lived when I grew up, I think she was some sort of freaky witch or something. It would freak me out. Um, and I would have a very narrow minded, closed minded, pessimistic view about her beliefs and her thought processes and uh, the way that she looks at the world. And through my recent teachings with the likes of Zion and Preston and being in the um, the presence of people like Michelle and seeing their work at first hand, really allowing me to open my mind more, um, live in a more conscious way and be more accepting that I have no clue about what I don't know that I don't know and, um, and to have more of an open mind. So... Getting Michelle on here was um, was a challenge for me to talk about stuff that I'm really uncomfortable doing, and I'm going to be doing that a lot moving forward. And uh, I loved every minute of my conversation with her. She's an absolute gem. She has this wonderful, beautiful, serene kind of energy around her. It makes you feel um, very welcoming and very loving, and she's, uh, she's definitely on a different level than I am. And uh, so I really enjoyed our conversation. So without much ado, oh, and by the way, before I get you into Michelle, do the same thing. All right. Do the same thing. If there's someone in your circle or just outside your circle, do you feel a little bit com uncomfortable around because you, you know, you're not quite, you know, you have a different paradigm when you look at the world, engage in dialogue with them, engage in discourse and see if you can learn something. All right. Okay. So without further ado, I'll leave you in the capable hands of Michelle Coutinho. Michelle Coutinho, that is a cat. He's quite a cat. 
That is quite a cat. That is a witch's cat. Are you a witch? Do you call yourself a witch? I've been a witch. <laughs> explain, explain that to me. Uh, you know, like I'm. Yeah, I, there's uh, a there's a meme this mo- uh, that's on one of my altars in my um, in my healing room actually, and mm-hmm. it's had a picture of an old crone. You know, the picture X with witch, and a little a little young girl who's probably like six or seven, and she's standing on a pedestal, and the witch is bestowing a witch's hat on her. And it says to be a witch is to be a woman, uh, a healing of healing. I'm not going to remember it exactly, but it's healing, a teacher, uh, to be a, to be, I almost want to grab it. To be a witch is to be a healer, a teacher. If it, if you are called to walk this path, may you walk it with integrity. Mm. And that is my, to be a witch is to be a wise woman who is a teacher and a healer and someone who is attuned with the medicine of the earth and the animals and the plants and the wisdom. And there is so much power in that and demonization of that from people who that's threatening to, who are more in the collective consciousness that because witches are outsiders. So Mm -hmm. in that space, I am a healing medicine woman who is a practitioner of magic because I do energy healing and sound healing and live a bit outside of society, you know, and my mission in this life is bringing it into society and also um, reclaiming and helping the specific thing that I heal mostly um, is that women are so afraid to embody their power and their voice and their magic in the world in public because of what has happened to us as a collective consciousness. And so they, they don't want to be coined as a witch. So they play very, very small in society. And so a lot of my claiming the word witch is to reclaim that magic and that power and that potency from what we put in the shadow. We put the dark, we, we, we demonize things, but it really just creates a split and perversion, if you will, of those things versus actually honoring the, their magic and their majesty and their importance. Mm. So you're, sta- you're standing up there and saying, hey, it's okay to be a witch. It's, it's more than okay to be a witch. It's a super empowering, liberating, life-changing so many women out there and some something that I, I kind of have a beef with is like so many women out there. So spirituality is quite trendy now, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there are so many people who are like claiming to be really like the, the glam side, the glam side, if you will, of like, mm. I'm a witch, I'm a this, I'm a that. Like, again, these are the, per- the perversions of our culture of like the commerce culture. Yeah. Owning, taking ownership of things that are sacred for the benefit of exploitation and mm. and and power, like power over. But like if you are really a w- like the witches that I work with, like the suit are they're terrified of actually owning their power because their power is so big. And having a magic life or being a priestess is not like a road of ease. It's not like rainbows and butterflies, like you're constantly dying, like shamanic death and ego death. And like letting, like, you know, like, like growing is not transpersonal work is not the easy road. Mm. And so when we're fully in service to a path that is like, you know, and, and I, I'm not a practicing Wiccan or witchcraft in that way. I'm a priestess. I'm a practitioner of priestess. Yeah. Okay. I've got millions of questions to ask you on this. Okay. First of all, for the people, hey, look, what's he say in your cup? It's a year of the snake. It's, I've gotten this cup in 2015 uh-huh. I took it on a road trip. Philosophical, intuitive, attentive, organized, intelligent, decisive. This is my mother's a year of the snake. Yours mine's, is. Mine says, uh, I live in abundance. I'm a money magnet. I change the world with my money. 
and I am worthy of positive change in my life. Let's drink to that. Drink to that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Could you describe to people listening who might not be used to these terms, what is the collective consciousness and Mm. when did you unplug yourself from it? (laughs) I think I was born unplugged from it. (laughs) (laughs) So Carl Jung is the one who coined that term, uh, collective unconscious, and it means that um, there's a... Whoa! Wow! Yeah, his psyche is... He's 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 unplugged from the matrix himself. And so... I'm probably going to get Jung's definition wrong, but the collective unconscious is basically um, a conditioned story of reality that we all buy into as a society. Mm. And our society is shaped by a paradigm of certain beliefs. And right now, and for the last 6,000 years or so, we've lived in a patriarchal society where the church has been um, really the governance of how to be in this world and our connection to source and you know, with the witches specifically, they were like, you have to go through us. You cannot have magic and power on your own, really as a way of oppressing the feminine, the dark, the feminine, the mysterious. And I have a really strong belief that in order to have true feminine empowerment, we must build right relationship and respect the masculine. And I feel like we kind of swung the pole the other way, which needed to happen. Obviously, I wasn't alive in the 70s. My mother was. but. Um, I know that that was, you know, an office in the 30s when we were voting and, and all of those women were, it was perfect. And um, there's a little bit overstepping. It's still power over, power under versus like true, like reverent collaboration. And I feel like I'm, I'm in a deep, I'm bringing healing to that for, for myself and for all of us. Like that's a big part of my mission. Um, that I'm stepping into, which is, which is the repair of the masculine feminine dynamics, because mm-hmm. right now in the collective consciousness of this planet, they're not, they're at war with each other and trying to get power over each other. And we all feel it. We feel it with the, we we're at war with the masculine and feminine parts of our own bodies. Like, you know, I'm too driven or I'm too loosey goosey. I don't have time management, you know, like bringing that into integration. And then yeah. also in our relationships, like really respecting each other. So important, right? But we, we yeah. don't do it. We play power games because this is what's out there. This is what we're taught. This is what's modeled. Abuse is modeled to us. Talk about power over a little bit. Yeah, oppressive power dynamics is um, what we are trained into looking like. It looks like a win, right? Mm. So it looks like winning when we're getting power over as opposed to a collaborative energy where what is in good for me, which takes our ego out of the equation, but what's in good for me is truly in service to all of us, is to tend to the whole. And it looks like surrendering your own attachment to your ego's desires of what accomplishment and achievement looks like and questioning why do we want to achieve that thing like really in the roots of it so do i want notoriety and recognition because it'll help me do more service or do i want it because like i feel invalid a little and i need some validation Mm. I just had a, I just, yeah, let's poke this one then because I'm thinking fine lines. So I, today is day one of a free Facebook training that I'm doing for 12 days. It's a 12 day container on helping people embody conscious conflict and deepen their connection with themselves and the people that they love. And the door opens today, first video went out today. 
you know, we, we run some ads. It, it, it did really well. We got a lot of people in and then nobody comments on the video. Right. Okay. And I, and I find myself throughout the day becoming distracted, wanting to check, but also feeling like it's pulling me below the line. Like I'm, I'm being dragged from abundance to actually, let me rephrase that. I think that in order, in ordinarily, I come from scarcity. That's like kind of like my groove. Yeah. Um, and I try very hard to get above the line into consciousness and presence. But today, because of this thing, or I'm certainly blaming this thing, I'm finding it more difficult to get above the line. Right? With me so far. I am. I'm hearing okay. vulnerability. Like putting right. yourself out there is vulnerable, no matter what it was. I mean, we can look at it in more of a commerce relationship, and I'm happy to go there. Well, but I, also, yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll explain like what's coming up for me in these fine lines. Yeah. So, so when I think about well, what's going on for me right now, and this is really important because back when I was drinking, something like this would lead me to go drink, right? Absolutely. So that's why I'm talking about these type of things. What's going through me is there's a part of me saying to myself, that is a, a need for external validation. That is wrongly. You need to look at that and fix that as a wound, right? That's one thing going through my head. Then there's another thing going through my head going, damn it, I really want to help more people. Why isn't anybody commenting on the video? If they do, I can help them. There's that. And then there's another one that's going through my head is, um, uh, damn, you made a mistake on the video. You've made it too complex and you want them to go too deep and they're not ready to do it. Why didn't you just make it more simple? So there's, there's there's a, and then there's another part, which is, Holy shit, if nobody comments on this video, I've wasted my ad spend because actually nobody's going to buy any products because nobody's interacting. So there's the business side of it. There's the uh, internal mess shit kind of like shadow side of it. And then there's the, I, you know, in my heart, I just really want to fucking help people side of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, it's complicated, right? You know, so how, how do you suggest I deal with that kind of like montage? Yeah, yeah. So, so you're, you're jumping number one before you, know really the end result of this challenge it's a 12-day thing right maybe yeah yeah i'm on day one (laughs) (laughs) so so that's my first thing number two whenever we have an action right the bhagavad gita is a the um it's a book well i won't go into that but anyway the teaching from krishna it says if you you need to surrender the fruit of the action so let go of the attachment to the outcome, because when we are in divine true alignment, when we are taking spiritually aligned action, whatever was your impetus, maybe to make money, and maybe sometimes we find out through testing if what our original intention versus, I've, I've totally put out workshops and like nobody's been, it's been a no. Mm. And the frequency behind it for myself, it wasn't in alignment and that's Okay. Right. Cause it's like test, tweak, test, polish as we've been taught. Right. So yeah, it's, yeah. we have to figure that out. But, but the only, the, the, when we are truly in service, we are doing the action without attachment to the result of the action because we know the art that we're putting out into the world, whatever the action is, the act itself is doing. Like, I don't know how many people are watching my videos and having their lives changed that I have no idea because I'm not getting mm. any feedback from. Right. And it was like that for a number of years. And then there's some things where it's like, I'm, I'm really helping people. And then sometimes I I feel I can, I, I I receive input from that, but it's always the things that I'm the least attached to that get the most amount of feedback. I find. Mm, Interesting. Okay. Well, I've been thinking about that, you know, leading up to coming, I had a meditation before I, 
came on here to talk to you, trying to connect to you, Michelle, through the <laughs> ethereal. But this, but this, this thing kept coming up to me, and I'm just like, just I, this is what I said to myself. I was like, Lee, just let it go, man. The video is top quality. Someone is going to learn from it. Let it go, and then we will te- we will test, tweak, polish, and we'll keep on going until we get to a position where we can really help a lot of people. It's just a matter of time. Um, detach yourself from it. What I'm curious though is. Mm-hmm. As somebody who always talks with such pride that I'm not a part of the collective consciousness, <laughs> um, that way of thinking is a part of the collective consciousness. There's some part of my my spirit that seems to be attached to it that I just don't really seem to be able to um, unplug from. It's never going to go away. <laughs> All right. So I just got to learn to be, so- be at peace with it. No, like, okay, so Ramdas has this um, this quote where he said, oh, so do you know who Ramdas is by any chance? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, so obviously he's and he's spent time in the caves of the Himalayas. I mean, like, he had an actual literal guru, uh, you know, like, he, yeah. right, he got the real direct source, but he said no matter how much meditation he did, none of his neuroses ever went away. Ah, uh, <laughs> And and there are things so in in using him as an example like western culture like is in us and so you're talking about capitalism you know mm-hmm. wanting our businesses to do well like the fact that we even have law of attraction and scarcity and abundance in our vocabulary like there are people in this world that don't think like that they're closer to the earth mm-hmm. so these are the things that are in the collective conscious of america of our western society and they do a hundred percent permeate our spirit and our being. We use our spiritual practices, meditation. I, I talk about vocal toning in my work. I talk about the alchemy of the voice using the chakras, because when I chant a mantra, I am calling on a force that is ancient and that is beyond my need for Instagram likes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or validation or personal anything personal anything. There's no person. There's no like um, need for achievement here when I'm attuned to the oneness of all that is. And that was why for a long time in my spiritual path journey, I was hidden from the world a lot because I kept disconnecting from society because I saw that it took me off my center and got me caught in the trap of that world of like, well, now I'm chasing this thing. And so I would go back into like my little meditation bubble. I lived at the beach for a couple of years and I would just be like, because mm, I would, I would feel bigger mm. when I was more attuned to the, the infinite, right? Obviously, than when I was on Facebook. And for me, it's been this, this dance of how do I maintain, like, maybe I'll have a day of silence tomorrow. I'm going to the beach to that. So I can just like attune to nature and myself and my own psyche and then come back and bring the medicine of my work and play the game in this this world that we live in. So interesting you said that. The concept of me going away and being in silence for the day is A, terrifying, because I don't know if I could be silent for a day. And two, I would tell myself and convince myself I don't have time to do it because I have so much stuff to do. But I'm thinking about you saying that and you're – you know, like I'm thinking about instant gratification, short-term thinking, short-term lens versus long-term lens. Your what you just said then sprung me straight into long-term thinking. It's like think about the long-term game. Um, right now, you need to kind of like fill up your stores of power, your stores of energy, get your shit right. Because while she's 
it's like Preston, right? Like, don't just fill your cup, make sure it's overflowing and then give from the overflow. So what you're saying is go away into silence, fill your cup till it's fucking flowing everywhere, then come back and give it to everyone, which is different to me just being here with a half-empty cup, trying to give everything to everybody, which means no one will show up. Yeah, everything is frequency, right? So what everybody is wanting from you. So I could say a million wise things, mm. but what you people will take as powerful from me is my transmission of energy. So if I, you know, tons of people are speaking a lot of very right truths in a very superficial way. And maybe that resonates for some people, you know, but like the silence behind the words, the vibration, that is what is helpful. I feel to mm. another person. Again, Ram Dass, he has a quote, it says, all I can offer you is my being. And so same for, for all the people that you help is like you, you do like the more that you're attuned, it doesn't have to be silence. It can just be like personal self-care. You can be like walking and listening to a podcast, but whatever does replenish, attunes you. I use this word attunement all the time. It's like attune your own vessel, your frequency to yourself, to your heart, to yourself, your true self. And then that stuff about the outer world, it's going to matter less because mm. your heart is full. That self, that's, if you, and there's so many challenges, right, with feeling that self-love, because I, just complete transparency, I, I pull, I have, um, I'm, I'm not, like, diagnosed with anything, but my swings are very high and very low, and so I can be in complete divine connection and complete self-love, and in February, I was doing a lot of shadow work, I felt completely disconnected, and in my journal, I was like, I hate myself right now, so, like, I'm not immune Mm. to human freaking emotion like your neurosis your neurosis is still there it's they're they're not only there they come around the corner sometimes and punch me in the face, punch in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like and then it. i have to be like holy shit and like get myself out of the hole but then but also i've cultivated a capacity to like breathe and feel my heart and feel my connection to god and mm. cry so like they both exist in me. They probably both exist in all of us, you know, to some degree. Right. So, but when I can have the um, bandwidth to like disconnect from business life and like feel my heart and then all those things that are so, then I do get a ton of messages. It was, it just happened like last week, actually. I was like, oh, I'm getting like so much feedback right now. And I really I don't care. And mm. that's funny. Because there's all these other times where I'm like really needing it and it doesn't go. <laughs> there's, there's always, there, there always seems to be need, at the moment anyway, I've created this story that there always needs to be a spark. So I, mm -hmm. I swing from, um, like, I, like I said to you, I, I, think, I think my natural tendency is to come from scarcity. I have to try really hard to be everything that I want to be. What gets me there? If, if I just have an interaction with just one person, all of a sudden, like it, like take, take this uh, new Facebook group, for example, at mm -hmm. some point, someone is going to be like, hey, I'm Michelle from so-and-so, right? And, I, and all of a sudden, I light up. So I need, I need to find more consistency in lighting myself up, I think. That's, uh, yeah, that's my journey. Sure. Yeah, Self-care, yeah. yeah. And also and ask questions to these people, you know? Mm. And build a relationship. Like, I would love to ask you, like, you said, I come from scarcity. You've said that a couple of times. Like, do you want to talk about that? Like, what is, what is that for you that you're like, just because you mentioned it twice? 
Well, I think from what I've learned and what I've read and my own personal experience, there's there's two elements of it. There's there's a story and then there's the biology, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I was reading. Um, I actually read his book a long time ago. So, Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Goleman. I, I read it a long, long time ago. But he was reading another book where they, I think it might have been the Fifteen Commitments of Conscious Leadership, actually, where they talk about above the line and below the line thinking. And I think they reference Goldman in saying that as, uh, you know, anthropologically, we do come from below the line, from fear, judgment, desperation to be right, because being wrong meant we were, we were dead. So mm-hmm. there's, so there's is that biological aspect of it. But then there's also the story element of it that says that I, I think back to through my life and I can... I can see, like, um, and I can feel, and my feedback confirms that I have a deep groove when it comes to pessimism, cynicism, um, yeah, misery, sarcasm. So my work is always like getting a butt, like my first instinct is to feel low or to feel down or to feel suspicious. My work is to change that. So so I I still get that first feeling, but I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Fuck off. Right now, where's my, where's my divine energy? Where's my, my bigness in me? Come on. I saw would take this thing. So I so it's a bit it's a bit of both. I love that. I love how you said that. I was thinking, I like your fuck offness because um I was thinking like, oh well, like then you can be there and that's cynical, but you can also integrate humor, I think is like a nice medicine antidote for like the bitchy part of us, you know? Like it's <laughs> Yeah, I do I do love my I do love that part of myself. Like I before mm. I came, before I did my meditation. Uh, before I spoke to you, I, I did a, an hour and a half where I led our group meeting. So my community strive, we did a, we, we have a meeting every uh, Friday at 12 and I did 90 minutes. Um, and I was asked the question, when did I develop the confidence mm. to go to people who could provide me with value and just straight out build relationships with them? Like almost in a, in a, um, almost like in a mechanistic way. Like, there's Michelle. I really like her vibe. I like her energy. I think she can help me in my life grow, whether that be in business, life, whatever. I'm going to befriend her. So almost like, not, you know, like we used to when we were young, and we were friends. It just ha- we think it just happens. That is this magical chemistry. It just happens. Well, now I'm 46. I think I'm 46. Now I'm 46. I don't want it to just happen. Like, I, I want to seek out people who I think can provide me with value and be friends with them. That doesn't mean I'm going to be disingenuous. So if I put myself out to befriend you, and mm-hmm. then I'm like, oh, I really don't like Michelle's energy, I'm not going to continue to be my friend just because you've got great connections. I don't like your energy, right? Um, and one of my group members said to me, where did you get that ability from? And I said, well, it actually comes from my shadow side. Mm-hmm. My desperation for external validation means that I will put my hand up. You've been in and around me in, in, in coaching containers. Oh. I will want to put my hand up and be seen, not, oh. not just purely because I want to add value. I want to be seen. So the shadow, the shadow part of me is, hey, hey, look at me. Look at me. Hey, hey, hey. So actually going to somebody who I might have otherwise put on a pedestal is part shadow, but I have to love that because that builds me some really strong connections, which I never would have had if I didn't have that shadow. So, so I, I like to look at myself as like the yin and yang, the black and white, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to love both aspects of that, and and see see how my neurosis and how my 
my wild swings can make me a beautiful human being. I love it. It's like a multidimensional, you're like, you're like, oh, there's beautiful integration. That's like integrating, you know? Yeah. Well, it's a lot better than trying, trying, like you just said, trying to get rid of something you can't get rid of. Well, but the scarcity, so the way that your tone was when you mentioned the scarcity and even how your face just dropped when I said that, that's not something I feel that you've done that quite yet with. So I would invite to say like, how do, how do we even like me, you know, I have my own version, but for some reason yours is speaking at the moment is like, how do, how would you then understand the shadow? Could it be like you have a drive, um, your ambition, you know, because the scarcity is there, it actually fuels your passion for, you know, I don't know, your creativity, your business, whatever, what would you say for yourself for that or? Or is I mean, it painful and it's hard to look at those things? Because it is sometimes. For me personally, pain has never blocked me. It's like psychological and emotional, physical pain has never stopped me looking at these things. It's ignorance that stops me looking at them. So I, I'll always maintain I'm an open book. I'll go anywhere, but I'll have my blind spots because I'm ignorant of them. Sure. And my subconscious might be trying to protect them. But once okay. a skilled practitioner or a coach or a leader or a priestess gets in there... Yeah. I, I don't feel pain. I feel liberation. I feel freedom. I feel tears of, of a combination of sadness and joy. Like the, like I erupt. You see me. I, I cry. Like I'm a crier, right? Like um, when somebody gets me to see something that I don't see, I cry. You know, like I, that's, that's the thing with me. I lost my train of thought. There was something I was so going to say scarcity. around. This. So, so it's scarcity. So how, how can you take the shadow side of how that is like implanted in you from your biology and from your lived experience. And how can you nurture that so that it becomes a beautiful growth? Just like you spoke about your need for validation is actually allowing you to connect with others. I mean, what I'm doing at the moment and I've been doing for a long time, very successfully is I, is I, and I'm sure there are other ways of doing it, but it is, I, I call upon my masculine around structure uh-huh. So, so every two hours I, I do, I check in with myself every two hours. I write down how I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, who's triggered me. And then I, and, and I, and I sit with that and I ask myself why, mm-hmm. uh, and that enables me then to a flip scarcity into wholeheartedness or, or abundance, or be okay to sit in the scarcity and be okay oh. with that. But, it, but whilst all that is going on, it's just continually reflecting the on how scarcity shows up and then accepting accepting that part, like accepting all of my emotions, all of my thoughts, you know, emotions I own, thoughts, not all of them. I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of a like, I don't know, if I have a, I don't know, a random thought that I want to have sex with my, my sister, like <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't like beat myself up that that's my thought. I just say to myself, oh, that's a bit weird. Where did that thought come from? That, <laughs> right? But if I'm sad, then what I'm learning is, okay, like I'm sad. Like, let's be super sad. What does it feel like? How, how, what, what? And do you know what? Like a lot of times when I say to myself, how do I feel? Where is it? Where's the sad? It fucking disappears. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's almost mm-hmm. like when I'm looking, <laughs> like where did that thought come from? I, I don't fucking know. Where's this emotion? But I can own emotions and feelings. Not so much thoughts. I'm, I, I think I, I hope I'm making sense. So yeah, it's structure. I need structure. I can't just say to myself, I'm going to meditate and um, and I'm just going to naturally flip. Okay. Although 
the structure might lead me there in the future, maybe. Can I, can I link two things that I may I speak to what I saw in your field, in your energy field? I want to mm-hmm. link two things for you. So a man, a masculine, especially a masculine identified male being as you are, I would say. Um, and it's beautiful that you have your emotional capacity and bandwidth and all of those things. Um, facing death is a huge part of it's always like you're at battle at war with death. I feel like, and you're also a provider. And I know about you that you have a family. And I think this line blur, I think this conversation of scarcity is a pressure for you that is really like death. Like it's almost like, because it's nothingness, right? Like to have nothing, to have no resources, to tap out. It would be like you dying in your role of being a provider and the pressure that you feel for providing for your family. So that's why it's a constant thing. It's like chasing you down like death chases Mm. a man down so it's like this thing that you're always at war with you're always facing it you're always fighting it and so you're you're battling it off somehow it's like your your bat your warrior opponent is scarcity in some way that's Mm. what i saw when when you first started talking to me um i wrote some things down on my my notepad here i wrote Mm -hmm. collective consciousness power over why do we oppress women and i wrote ego death Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. ego death so when you're saying i'm dying what what i link to is mm-hmm. i'm terrified and it's also my goal to kill my ego that is a constant battle i'm in and a battle that, that my resistance does a very good job at f- forgetting making me forget that i'm in that battle what do i mean by that is um yesterday i went downstairs and i said to uh liza um would you, would you like me to make you a cup of tea? It's a, it's a bid for connection. And Liza said, for fuck's sake, I can't even get through a fucking video without someone interrupting me. Oh, no. <laughs> my, my immediate response that was in my head was a desire to shame her over what she said to, me, to, to make me feel better and to give me power over her. That's what came up, right? I didn't want to say that though. I then had a battle with myself saying, no, she's obviously really stressed out right now. Be there for her, hold her space, ask her if there's anything wrong. But I really didn't want to do that. My ego didn't want to do it. I want to kill this thing. I don't want to be thinking like that, but it's, there is some self-protection mechanism in there that is saying, no, 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 you fucking get rid of me. You cut me out. And you're gonna fucking stop breathing. It's like um, it's like there was this X Men TV show. I can't remember what it was called now. It was such a great metaphor. This X Man who had psychic powers, he had this this entity trapped in his mind that was that 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 mm. wouldn't allow him to be himself. But if he got rid of him, he would die. It's that that that's what I'm thinking mm. of right now. You know, it's like the ghost in the machine or something like that. It's like the little being that lives inside the. Yeah. yeah, it's it's how do we how do I? I guess my my uh my journey is like do you show I that I have a question coming through. Do you have a uh-huh. do you show that you're hurt when when that happens? Do you show like how? Uh well I I do for my anger. Yeah, okay. That wouldn't be um No, no. <laughs> that would be no. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> so lashing I mean, back out, right? So, but actually being like, "Ow, baby, okay, yeah, sure. Do you mean space? I'm sorry, you know, like, but like, out, like, to just to reveal like the truth of your heart that like that was no, always, always comes from anger. This morning, like, my mm-hmm. accountant ignored me for the fifth day straight, and anger, anger drove me to leave him a message explaining how I felt. So the vulnerability and feeling, mm-hmm. you're ma- I'm through your behaviors right now, I am making myself feel like a little child, like I'm lost, like I have no control. I'm angry. I'm annoyed. I'm frustrated. But that comes from anger. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, you're speaking about it on like an, from an intellectual space. I'm spe- yes. You're like, you're like saying like, this is, I am angry. And these are the things that is, that's, that's healthy. I, I, I need, I need to tell, I need to give this person feedback on how I feel, because if I give this person feedback on how I feel, that might tap into his feelings and he may change his behavior. Beautiful. Beautiful. We interrupt this discussion between Michelle and Lee to bring you an important newsflash. The Stride Method for Addictions is a six-month powerhouse of an experience that helps you learn how to stop drinking and live a kick-ass life. If you're interested in joining the latest group and we've got one open right now, then email us at 1kdaysober at gmail.com. Now back to Michelle and Lee. So that's not, that's not wrong. I mean, I, that's, that's beautiful. You're not like yelling at them and lashing out. You're like, no, no, no. It was a, it was a calm message because I, because I knew if I shouted at him, then he's not going to hear me. Okay. So that's good. That's good. And so then, you know, I don't know if you want to do this with your accountant so much, but like to say like, I'm hurt (laughs) at you, but but you could, but with your, with your wife, definitely um, not to give you marital advice, but, but you you in relationship, I am learning that revealing the truth of your heart is simultaneously the hardest thing to do because we want to be defensive or we want to be like, fuck you and like, take it back. Like, just like you were saying, but like, it's actually, Mm -hmm. you will know the truth of your partner with how they respond when you authentically let them know that, that that was painful. Mm. I do that. I do that. Well, okay. Beautiful. You, you usually, um, I do it better post rupture. Yeah, um, but but it's unusual for one to get by me, and I haven't dealt with it. I'm not I'm not afraid of expressing how I feel. That wasn't always the case, though. I did a three hour mm-hmm. podcast with David Burns and Jill Levitt, the Feeling Good podcast. Mm-hmm. Like David Burns is awesome, and they they found a weakness in me that I, I was not very good at expressing how I felt. Like they said they, that. Yeah, yeah. They kept they kept pushing me and asking me, and I I just kept screwing up what just seemed to be really simple thing for me to say and I couldn't do it but oh. but now but now yeah I think in my in my evolution of where I am today I feel mm. super comfortable with that but I am still hyper aware hyper aware that there is this monster there but it's lo- it's losing its power like it exactly. the more the more woke I become the more time I spend above the line the more present I am the more I hang around with people like you the more I seek out new mentors to keep me growing the voice and the presence is getting is getting quieter and how do I know that feedback mm-hmm. the way that my wife behaves to me the way she connects with me the way she looks at me the way that she just flat out tells me the way my daughter and my son engage with me yeah that's huge you know like yeah we're doing our best <laughs> on this human journey of evolution yeah, yeah. Sure. i have a i have a question for you so right. recently in one of my in um one of my community members she was talking about how she had a, a memory of 
when she was drinking that um, there were times where like she had a, a ritual of, of taking her daughter to bed and reading her reading her a book mm-hmm. um, but she has this memory of choosing alcohol over that so mm-hmm. saying things like um or rushing the book or not being present when she read the book or saying i don't have time to read tonight whatever lack of presence right and how her daughter gave her feedback that she remembers that and it heard her and then as this beautiful woman was sharing this with the group, so many more people came up with their stories around mm-hmm. how they also put alcohol ahead of their children. And then mm-hmm. the question became like, you know, um, like I'm just curious in your in your input on this. It's like, it's like memory for first first and foremost. Like, how true are these things? And like, where does confirmation bias play a role? And how do we kind of like how do we create the, are we creating this shit or did this shit really have the impact we think it did? And then this, the most important thing, I guess, is how do we just get through it? How do we just say like, like for me, where I am right now, I can say to myself, yes, I did that. I'm willing to let that go. I'm willing to let that go. Now that seems really straightforward. That's where I am right now. I'm willing to let it go. What, what about someone who, who keeps holding on to it? He's not willing to let it go. Yeah. Like, yeah. My mom talks about that with things with her. I mean, my, I, you're talking about childhood trauma, right? Like just things that we do as parents or we receive as children and it's kind mm. of, it feels endless. <laughs> like yeah. there's an endless cycle of handed down trauma are um, in astrology. And I've heard this before. Our childhood trauma mirrors our past life trauma. And I see this with my clients. And so we actually incarnate into, if you believe in past lives, of course, for those listening, but we incarnate into a family that's going to mirror back certain like needs not getting met that is similar traumas because we're on a karmic cycle of healing. So some of it is um, kind of not in our hands, right? In the sense of like, the, it's, it's fate, let's say, or, you know, it's fate that we get certain wounds because then we are. Um, our path, our journey is actually to heal those things. So that's kind of the predestiny part of that. And then there's the very real, um, I love that you just said that you're like able to forgive yourself. I mentioned my mom because my mom mentions things to me about like really random things that didn't actually phase me, that that mm-hmm. actually upset her, that she still has a guilty conscience for. Um, but there are things that, you know, I do think it's completely real. Because there are things that, I mean, I, re- I remember like putting the pillow over my head when my parents were arguing and I can see in my relationships with men about like definitely the parental trauma that both of my father was abusive to my mom. I mean, there's a, and, and talking about healing and becoming like, I'm, ser- I'm, I am, I am helping heal. I talked about it at the beginning, the wounds of the masculine and feminine. I mean, like I was implanted, I was given karmically an abusive patriarchal father who was also very strong, very artistic, almost a genius, but had kind of a split like personality. It wasn't alcohol, but it was his own trauma and his own wound that would cause him to kind of go into a dissociated state and then literally just be a demon, basically like his, like legit. And, um, and yeah, that definitely impacted my own ability to trust the masculine and my ability to have confidence in myself, which is why I now teach vocal empowerment, my ability to understand the feminine by seeing like my mother and how all of her relationships, she's had very toxic relationships and really, but, but now I'm on this journey of understanding a different paradigm of masculine and, and feminine relating 
that actually doesn't quite exist on this world in the broad scope. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm an embodiment of it. Like I carry myself in a way, like I remember the first time that you reached out to me and obviously you in a public space, you're, you're quite brash, you know, and you kind of throw your energy around a little cocky. Right. And then the first time that you addressed me, you wrote it like a letter. And I thought that was so, I, I was so like, that is the, thank you. Like, I was so like, that was so respectful. And I felt that you felt who I was and you came to me with that respect. And that's from years of inner work on my part and also your part, that when we met, you came to me with dignity. Mm. Like you didn't just trap, you weren't just like, you didn't throw around any energy at me. You like invited me to speak with you. And that was gorgeous. And that. That is the new paradigm. And, and, and it's hard sometimes in our closest relationships with the people that we see every day to not just want to like just attack them and punch them. <laughs> like all those yeah, things. Because yeah. I have that in me too, you know? Like that warrior where we're just like, shut up! Ah! You know? Like, I <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Okay, so let me just digest that a second. Yeah, I kind of went a little like all through all the ethers with that. But, so, um, so there are wounds that have so obviously what we're talking about here is with this woman in question she has a wound so what do we do to self-forgiveness is that what you're asking for this woman who well let me let me let me throw let me throw something at you so i had neil donald walsh on as a guest recently right and he he was on the same lines of my thinking, which helped me. You know, it's like when you have a thought and then you, somebody else kind of has the same thought. So I don't think I believe in forgiveness as much as I do as understanding. Okay. So the, the advice or the invite that I gave to this beautiful member of my community was, could we, have, could we create an understanding of why we did what we did Mm. and be okay with that understanding. And if we're okay with that understanding, then what is there to forgive? Let me give you an example. Um, when, I was, when I was drinking, my son never wet the bed until one day he did when, I, when me and his mom were so drunk that we were not able to attend to him when he was crying, right? Now, I could, if I want, turn that into a big, massive shame ball and just abuse myself on and on and on and on and on. Or I can say to myself, well, can you understand why that happened? Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I was, I was a complete and utter jerk trapped in this collective consciousness who felt and thought that it was perfectly acceptable to drink as much as I was drinking whilst my son was upstairs sleeping. I, I thought it was perfectly acceptable to try to fry eggs when I'm in a semi-state of blackout with a young toddler upstairs, do I believe that is right and correct behavior? No. But can I understand why I was in that spot? Yeah. So do I need to forgive myself? No, I, I get it. I understand why I did it. And that's enough for me. Mm, you have but massive why, self-acceptance. You should yeah, teach but, Yeah, this is people. the thing. Why can't this be enough for everybody else? Is it a payoff? No, we don't. I think that one of my growths in this lifetime is self-acceptance. I think that one of the shadow sides of spirituality is a religious dogma of the needing to constantly have an exalted way of being. So if I didn't hold myself with the highest vibrational 
slipping into humanity basically is not allowed when you have a priestess lineage, lifetime after lifetime, a shamanic, whatever it is, like you are meant to, or you hold a certain frequency. And if you succumb to lust, if you, you know, indulge anything, then you're training basically in some way you've, you've let fall. So it's like a warrior falling from grace or falling out of alignment. Mm. That's one way of living in the world. And there's another way of being a, a human being and, and recognizing exactly what you said. You're like, I don't have expectations that are otherworldly for myself. I see where I was and I have deep self-acceptance. Um, and there is a spectrum of whatever the person, you know, their paradigm, their worldview or their yeah. expectations of themselves or their parents' expectations of who they are meant to be in this world or who they feel like they are in this world. And then shaming themselves for not meeting their own expectations. For me personally, that's a huge thing that I am constantly, I mean, I, I was just overwhelmed with it. Like a few weeks ago, like in February, I did a lot of shadow work where I was like, I need to be, I should have been, I have to make a choice and it should have already, I, I should have already chosen, you know, like I can't, I can't all, me getting in my head and disconnecting from my center and then shaming myself for the fact that I do that and I've done mm. it and I see that pattern all the time. Mm. Like, so deep self-acceptance. I have noticed, I don't know if it's true. I don't know if the sentence is true, but I, I know men who are more accepting of themselves than I know women who are. I see yeah. it taught, modeled to me by other men more that often. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a couple of things coming up for me there is on one hand, I life's a dance right on one hand i can see actually how i can see how self-acceptance can come from your ego and from below the line because Mm -hmm. if you're going to be operating from a starting point of self-centeredness and ego and look at me look at me look at me then you're going to be needing a lot of understanding as you start trampling over people's fucking toes, right? So if I can be super duper self-accepting of everybody, uh, accepting of everybody else, Mm -hmm. right? And show a massive self-acceptance of myself, then when I need it from people, I'm going to expect it. So it's like, hey, universe, I'm just going to have massive self-acceptance, a massive understanding of everybody, and then when I need it, I'll get it back. There's like there's that element I'm thinking of. There's also an element of shame and self-acceptance. So an example that I've used before on the podcast, when my um, daughter recently got attacked by a dog and lots of lots of people wanted, I don't know, like a slits. Actually, this is this is like a I felt that a lot of people were slipping into vengeance revenge. Mm-hmm. And um, those people didn't think they were, but I felt they they were. But for me myself, I just wanted complete and utter understanding of it. This is a dog. Dogs do what dogs do. Um, I'm I'm understanding everything about the owner and their behavior, even though I don't agree with it. And I'm 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 done with it, and I'm okay to move on. But there was a shame element mm. of no, Lee. You have to be angry. You have, you have to show people you're angry because if you don't show you're angry, then what does that say about you? Your daughter just had a face bitten by a dog. Mm. You must be sad. You must be upset. You must show everybody that you care. Mm. 
But I was thinking I care because I have understanding and I want to use that. I want to free up that energy to care for my daughter. I don't want yeah. that energy locked up in, in revenge and vengeance and worrying and thinking of it's done. It's fucking over. You know, actually like there's nothing you could possibly do about what happened in the past. So why hold that? There's a metaphor with the Buddha thing. Like the two Buddhas are picking up the girl and then they carried across the river it's like I put her down a long time ago, you know, and the Buddha's like, you can touch the woman, you know, he's yeah, like, you're, yeah, yeah. you're the one still carrying her. Like, don't, don't listen to other people. <laughs> there was a, there was a, there was a movie, there was a movie like that as well, where they kept carrying all their luggage around with them. What oh, was that movie? I didn't see it, but that's, that's beautiful. But yeah, it's the yeah. same thing. All like, throughout the movie, all throughout the movie, they had all this luggage. Everywhere they went, they had all this luggage. Yeah, you can't live like that. And it, it reminded me of my mom when I got divorced, like, um, you know, 10 years ago now. She said, she said to me, she said, Lee, you're fucked. Like, you're always going to be a guy with baggage. Oh. <laughs> and I always remember the movie. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, that, she thinks I'm that guy. Well, I we gotta... are. Yeah, we yeah, are. yeah. We all are. Wait, the, the, the baggage... In, in my work, I teach the baggage, the wounds can be wisdom, the medicine, there is a gift, the, the baggage that we have, it sucks. And there's something in it. Like we, we just spoke about like the lineage and the karma, like there's, there's a medicine there, usually mm -hmm. like the alcohol for you, like now you're, you're, tra you transmuted that into something where you're creating containers for others who have that same affliction. Right? Yeah, so that, yeah. That energy was, way. yeah, that energy used to be used in the chaos which is alcoholism that that life you know like it's not actually it's not even alcoholism like that energy was caught up in a collective consciousness it wasn't my it wasn't mine it's like i didn't own it it's like i had to borrow parts of it from a collective consciousness and then when i could rip 90 percent of my soul away from it then all of a sudden i've got more energy and i'm able to create i'm able to inspire i'm able to do these these different things um but you would have never been able to do this work had you not been impregnated by the wound of it have you had you not like felt it viscerally been no, there no you, you that's what that's i mean that's like the wounded healer it's like the journey for all, for a lot of beings in this world right now or in the circles that we run in where it's like this is you know we we have these wounds and then they become our medicine for mm, the yeah 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 I just, this morning, I have a relationship course called Connection. And this morning I was doing a, a piece for it, an assignment on it, on Carabasis from Iron John. And, mm. you know, I was, I was saying in, in, in the video that I was doing, you know, how amazing is it when we develop the awareness to look around and see that we're fucking wallowing in shit. We're in the ashes it's everywhere. It's we're, we're, we're the lowest. We're in the basement and we can see it, but we got a pick in our hand and we know that we're here to mine for gold and how different that is versus I ain't got fucking clue where I am. I actually think I'm in the turret of the castle with gold flowing hair that I got all my shit together. Like, where would you rather be like up there tapped into the collective consciousness not a fucking Scooby-Doo, what's going on? Or down in the fucking shit, where at least you've got awareness and you're like, wow, this is where I'm going to fucking grow. This is where everything is going to spring. I just need a little seed. I need a watering can. And poof, fucking watch this shit go up, right? You know? Mm -hmm. So that's like, yeah, every time we get wounded, every time we say, 
It's all coming round. Okay. The striver who said about, about the incident with the kid, right, with the reading, full circle, right? In that moment, there was a seed dropped. You watered it. Now, many, many years later, you are able to share that story and mm -hmm. help and inspire other people that it is okay, mm -hmm. that it is okay to share stories like that and be vulnerable. And it doesn't mean you're a terrible mother. It means you're a mother, right? A hundred percent. And, and for her to say that, because when my mother says to me things that are just like, you know, I did this, I did that, I did that. That's very, that's like, that's a, a relationship building. Just yeah. to even say, like, I didn't have that consciousness then, mm. but I do now, and I'm sorry. Like, mm. when we have anyone, whether it's our parents or anyone, come to us with that. I've had people apologize to me, like, oh, I'm sorry about this, this, and this. Mm. It's, that's, that's no joke, you know? Yeah. When they're like, this, I was triggered because of all of these things, and I'm sorry. Like, it's really, it's humbling and beautiful. <laughs> it's a great practice yes yesterday i was uh, i was downstairs and uh, i just been i just started the elementum training with preston and Lexi. are you doing and, uh, that i was gonna yeah. do that um my being put me into a different space yeah i started i started um this week and there was one thing that they said was um you know, we're always judging people, which which was in my awareness, right? We're always judging people. And they said, you know, like when you're in a you're in a container with someone and you're doing some coaching and you start judging them, then then just have a pause and and almost like forgive yourself like for doing it. Like just be okay with the fact, just grow awareness. If you have a good relationship with the person you're in, you like mention it to them as well if you really wanted to, right? And then I was like, wow, I've never thought of that before. So I went, went downstairs after watching the video and uh, there was leftover food after dinner and I went to put it in a load of Tupperware and, and Liza's like, no, don't, don't put the broccoli in a, in a plastic container. And I immediately, I, I immediately went, <laughs> I went so judgmental. Like I was like, what the fuck? In my head, in a nanosecond, what the fuck's wrong with this person? There was a real status thing that was going on. I picked up the plastic containers. I said, well, what the fuck are they even doing in the house? I threw them in the bin, right? And then I just said, what are you doing? And then I just was like, and all this was going on in my head, mind, right? And then I just walked over and I said, hey, I just really judged the shit out of you in my head. Mm. And she's like, why? And I said, I don't know, mm. around the plastic containers. But I did, and I'm going to figure it out. And she's like, okay, thanks, and just carried on playing with you. You know, and, and I thought, and it, and it felt like the germ, the mm -hmm. germ that gets in there, it wasn't there. Right. Because you brought awareness to it. Yeah. I just, it just, I didn't even let it come in. Like, do you know what I mean? Well, I, I guess it did come in because of the way I behaved, but then it was just quickly fucking have that. <laughs> Give it an elbow, <laughs> get out of the way. It sounds like you're doing a lot of, um, what the words that were coming was like emotional labor, but like you're doing a lot of work like in even in your relationship like to, to make yourself like not a toxic environment like your impulses are impulsive right but then like mm -hmm. you catch yourself like a lot like there's been multiple times where in this conversation where you're talking about like this happened and i was like girl but I then got it. I switched and that's really it's really eventually you won't be like girl and maybe into your 50s right like mm -hmm. as like you just it's just a part path of maturity and mm -hmm slowing you know the men like that it soften a bit you know with age and mature and like the warrior staff that we have where we're going to kill everything and kind of we put it to the side and like then you're wiser and slower and so 
I love hearing that you're so devoted to your practice of mm. you're, you're like also in complete inquiry of like, well, why do I do that all the time? Or why does this happen? But just it, it happening and you, and you pulling yourself back to your center constantly is anybody's practice. Mm. Like all of us are doing the same thing. Maybe my impulses don't come out as loud. You know, you haven't got, you haven't got that cockiness. It's just different expression. Well, if you talk to my ex-boyfriend, he would say that I'm quite the (laughs) rascal. Yeah. I don't like, I don't like it when people, it's a real trigger for me actually, when people say, don't be too hard on yourself. It just fucking winds me up because I'm like, I'm not. You're not. I am. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> people tell me they're like you're very hard on yourself and i'm like yeah i've been told that right right yeah i'm 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 deflecting it i'm like no i'm just i just like to i just like i just like to know the answer i just like to grow you mm-hmm. know? yeah i just wanted to say one thing that you mentioned there i think you you posted on your instagram about the difference between getting and giving i did um and i, I think we're in a real advantageous standpoint when it comes to growth when we're giving like everything you just said about me and thank you for that I received that Mm. it's because it's because I decided to use the power that was being used for drinking and chaos into helping other people and the more you help other people the wiser you become and the more experienced you become and the more you have to step up how how can how can I lead people if I'm not growing huh I've never quite thought of it that way that's interesting Hmm. Like the more that I help others, the wiser I become. That sounds cool. Because you you know, it's like what what they said this in the leap we was in, they're saying it now in Elementum. Don't try to teach people what we're teaching you until you fucking get it, right? Yeah. So so me, I, I want to get there quickly. So in order to get there quickly, I need to fucking practice it every day. How do you practice it every day? Living. Mm-hmm. by upsetting people and learning from people and listening to people and getting feedback from people. And mm-hmm. do you know how many women have mm-hmm. contacted me when I did Kaboom and okay. then the leap, how many women in that group contacted me and said like, you really fucking triggered me or you've <laughs> triggered me. I was like, Holy shit. It's a pattern here. Like I'm triggering women like big time. You've never gotten that feedback before in your life. Was that the first time? Not that directly. I think I've had it passively, passive aggressively, because yeah. nobody, nobody's probably been confident enough to say that. Mm-hmm. But in in you this, got in a in group this, of boss lady women, and they were just like <laughs> telling yeah, you, yeah, they're just like, yeah, I just want you to know that I, um, yeah, you fucking triggered me. I just didn't like you, and now I've spoken to you. I don't mm. feel that anymore. But mm-hmm. it's feedback, right? You're able to go, okay, I'm, I'm, I need to test sweet polish that. Mm-hmm. I don't want. I don't want to be triggering people. Not everybody. I want to be triggering people in a good way to get know, them inspired. You know what? I bet it was without without really knowing what it was. There's a, such a difference between when we come from that need that you mentioned in the beginning, where we're coming, where we're speaking to be seen and mm-hmm. to be validated. There's a frequency in that that is a bit. It's usually a bit edge. It comes off a bit indigestible. But sometimes we don't actually have the consciousness to like attune to like that. That's what that is. Like, no, we can't know in that moment. But, um, but then when the person comes from their heart or when you would speak from your heart, then you're not triggered. There's no trigger, right? Unless Mm. the person has this personal wound that you're like 
poking or something like that. But um, I think, I think, I think the mix of where you were coming from in your vibration, because it's like, are you, when you were speaking for attention versus mm. actually like really um, contributing, this is a perfect metaphor for giving and getting yeah, That's yeah, perfectly yeah. those things because we are, we're told to, to take all that we can from the situation. We're going to get our clients. We're going to do our, especially in the coaching industry, right? We're going to make yeah. a million dollars. We're going to do all these things, right? As opposed to being attuned to like the deep service frequency of the work. Mm. Like, why are we here for healing? If, and, and I talked about power, power dynamic, oppressive power, right? Oppressive power is seeing me. And then I left the call or the interaction. And then I, I took something. I got something. I got my got my validation. I got my juices stoked. You know, I'm, I've been, mm-hmm. the ego's been stroked in the most appropriate way. And now I won. It's a win, right? Versus, wow, I was able to actually speak something from my heart and it served others in the group as well. My offering was an offering and it actually took higher, st- it, like it, it, it contributed and then maybe, you know, Preston would take it and carry it and then it would go on a roll and it would be medicine for all. That's the highest. That's the game that I'm playing right now in my being, in my life. Is, and it, it takes a death. It takes a literal death of the ego of my, I have to surrender to how I want it to look. I might want it to look like a 30K launch, which I did. <laughs> I wrestled with that. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do that. And spirit works through me and is like, you're going to focus on meditations. You're going to focus on sound healing. You're going to do med- insight timer meditations. You're going to do these podcasts. You're going to do X, Y, Z, because it's not about me getting $30,000 in five minutes. It's about me being a conduit in a vibrational frequency of healing. And trusting that I will get enough and I will get exactly what I need to hold, what I have the capacity for holding at the exact right moment. And the more that I attune myself to become an instrument and a channel of healing, the more one-on-one clients I will have. And my business will grow organically and maybe slower than my ego's timeline desires. Yeah. But it's in, it's in alignment with, a, with being a gift. Yeah, you will you will be ready to receive whatever comes your way when you're ready to receive whatever comes your way. Mm-hmm. And and you my know. my my dharma is to be a blessing, is to help, is to be a healer, is to be an an offering for others. Mm. And so it, I can't force that into looking a societally successful way. I'm I'm on a different path, and I have to honor that. And that also is painful. What? Go ahead. I was going to say that I just wanted to acknowledge how brave and courageous that is. You you remind me of um, part of the teaching that we do in my Strive Method for Addiction is this concept called resignation, which was first introduced to me by an evolutionary biologist called Jeremy Griffith. And he says that, you know, there's this period where we're going from childhood to adolescence to teenage years where we we're kind of still rooted into um, mother earth like mm. the universe that that frequency and we haven't been tarnished yet by the collective consciousness as it hasn't got us hold of us and then at some point we feel this intense pull towards it mm-hmm. like um i need a drink too early i need to fuck too early i need to take drugs too early i need to mess about i need to paint my hair and do i need to do all these things to fit in to the collective consciousness, but I'm being really pulled towards Mother Earth. I don't want to go towards collective consciousness. But then what happens is for a lot of us, me included, 
we resign, we resign and we say, no, I'm going to go with the collective consciousness. And it's almost like we fucking kill our soul and we, or we sell it and we, are, we go through the collective consciousness, right? And then the ones who do that, they, they, they have a great little, they have a great life. They think they're doing fantastic. They're having lots of sex. They're getting into lots of relationships. Um, they're having a good laugh. But then when they get to 35, like I did, you realize that you have just been your false self and everything's falling apart and you don't have the skills and ability to deal with it. Or you stick with Mother Earth, you go through your adolescence and it's painful. It is tough. It is difficult. You can't get in with a cool group. You are getting bullied. But when you get to 35, you fucking know what's going on. You've got your shit together, right? So when I see you, I think to myself, how courageous it is for you to look at the collective consciousness and say, nah, fuck you. I'm going to do this. Because it is so much easier. Our path of least resistance directs us to the collective consciousness. That's where our energy naturally flows. And you're like, no, this is what I'm going to do. It might not bring me 10 million bucks. It might be a difficult path, but I need to be true to my roots. And mm -hmm. I really honor you for that. I really Thank honor you for so that. Thank you. I was making the choice to not be in that program and, and all of that in February, that was a part of it. And it was really about my, my, my frequency as a healer and, and really listening. And it felt like, so it felt this just this in February, it felt like surrendering into the void, which I don't know if you've had any experiences with this, what the unknown truly feels like and like falling into this nothingness, but in my masculine feminine development, um, you know, when we experience trauma, we, we wall up, we like know how to warrior up. And I think in my, my, my vulnerable embodiment as a feminine creature who is, you know, stepping into womanhood, truly, I mean, I'm 37 years old and I am a woman in a lot of ways. And in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm really becoming a woman. I think in my forties is going to be a time where I mature in a way that I've never been mature in my life. And a big part of being a feminine leader is surrender. And so this is also what you're speaking of is um, there's a way in this world of masculine feminine leadership. It's like we took the toxic masculine paradigm and we boss ladied our way. And I know a lot of women, I know personally women, you know, you know them too, who have mm, overridden their softer selves in order to make money and keep up and it works, but there's an emptiness there. And so this path that I'm on in this moment for this year that my soul wanted me to dive into was my own self-intimacy and my own surrender and my own femininity. And then how can I be a, an embodiment and a carrier of frequency and sound and a business, but keep to that, to anchor, to, to, so, so that I can be a leader who's in touch with her feminine in this world. That's, that's going to be medicine for this earth. That's medicine for me. And I am, it's going to be a grace to, uh, to fully grow and, mature and be able to um to be able to like have both so anchored my my masculine solidity and my good boundaries and my teacher self and also my deep feminine heart mm. well michelle it's been beautiful to have you on the show i've really enjoyed our okay. conversation for anybody listening get over to www.1000daysilver.com head to the podcast page you'll see Michelle's got her own little podcast page there and you'll be able to access her Instagram and everywhere else that she hangs out. And um, please, please, please check it out. Jump on a call with her, um, do some work with her. 
doing this work, it, you know, it's test tweak polish ourselves. We have to keep trying lots of different people until we get someone that we're in attuned with. And I hope after listening to us rambling on for uh, uh, over an hour that you feel attuned to us. So thank you very much, Michelle. It's been a pleasure. Yes, my honor. Thank you so much, Steve. If you want to be somebody that doesn't drink alcohol or recover from any other addiction, improve your relationship with yourself and those that you love, or just want to learn to live a more conscious life, then here is what we can do to help you at 1000 Days Sober. Number one, we have a Strive subscription service, okay? So you pay a monthly fee, you come and join us, you come into our community, you get access to all our Marco Polo groups, you get access to our Kajabi group, you get access to uh, content that you will not see in the public sphere, mainly by yours truly, but by other people in my network, our friends as well. What else do you get? You get access to a weekly coaching call with myself. So you can get coaching, a one-on-one coaching with me on that weekly coaching call. And you get money off various different workshops and uh, invites to lots of other free stuff. So that's our subscription service. You could do group coaching programs, okay? Right now we have two group coaching programs both called the Strive Method. The first one is addictions, okay? And they last for six months. The relationship course also lasts for six months. We've got Strive Method for addictions, Strive Method for relationships. There are workshops, okay? Or you can work with me personally one-on-one, okay? You can work with me personally one-on-one. And if you want to get involved in any of that, then just head to www.1000daysober.com and you will find everything that's going on there, okay? We have pages there on the website which will direct you in the right place and how to get hold of me, including a workshop space there as well. We're always running workshops, so you can sign up for those as well. Last but not least, if you do love this show and it has changed your life and you want to change the life of somebody else, tell somebody about it and rate and review it in your podcast provider. I would really appreciate that. If you want to just reach out to me, ask me a question, just email me, 1kdaysober.com. Ah, at gmail.com. Much love, everybody. Bye.